Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today we have with us a uh, the bassist of Will Frang and the Goodland Gang. We also uh, uh, have, we go way back to a freshman year, a second week of the dorms yes, we do. in Sandburg. Um, Jack Fricky, Mr. Ben Slowey, how are you? Good, man. Uh, how are you? How was your day today? Um, I just woke up, so it's. Uh been a very long day so far. Jeez, yeah. Um, I know that you uh, work third shifts and stuff, so you're like, props to you for, you know, getting yourself here. It's a, such an ungodly hour. I know. 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, we, we clearly need uh, we need some pick-me-up. I think you're right. There's only one way to do it. Finest beer in the land. Yes, it is. Dude, I don't know if I, like, stress this enough, but, like, this is the beer that got me to start liking beer. Like, I didn't even like beer. Um, Cheers. Cheers, yeah. Um, I didn't even like beer coming into college, really. But you would just get this stuff every single weekend. And uh, I found myself just requiring the taste more and more. Yeah, it was always funny because I'd always go out on the weekend, get a 30 rack, and uh, all of our friends would drink it. So <laughs> right. within a weekend, all my beer would be gone. Yep. That's all it took, you know, for some thirsty-ass freshmen. Yeah. Address hopping for parties. Yep. We've uh, we've all been there. Man, good dad. <laughs> what a great now, dad. How did, I, how did I acquire the nickname dad through all these years? The beer, the beard, the... I don't know, you're just like... You're, you, uh, I feel like you just have that demeanor. I don't know, you're like... I've always had that responsible shepherd. Yeah, you're kind of, yeah, you're like very much like that like straight man sort of, like in like the, t in the sitcom, you're like the guy that keeps everything in order, you know? Fair enough. Yeah, that's a compliment because I'm, thank you. Um, that's a compliment because I'm just like the, I'm the kid that needs parental supervision. Yes, yes you are. <laughs> Well, Jack, we could talk about our history all day, but we're really here to talk about one thing, and that's love and fear. Um, so what I'm interested in doing uh, with this show is analyzing how um, how those two driving forces, you know, how they inspire you to, you know, to do something great, to express yourself, you know, through some kind of creative lens. And, you know, you're no stranger to doing that through your music. You've been in many different bands over the years. Um, you were in a, in a band that's been getting some buzz around Milwaukee right now. Um, you want to like, I guess, kind of tell me, t talk a little bit about how, you know, you're, you're like, you really decided that like music was like you, you know, it was what you, the direction you wanted to take. Um, a couple different reasons. Um, I remember, like the first, the first real big thing for me was I was probably like seven or eight years old, and I remember sneaking downstairs when my parents had gone to sleep with my little shitty Walkman headphones, yeah. plugging them into the stereo nice. and listening to uh, Green Day's Dookie yeah. on repeat. Solid. And I heard that album and I was like, man, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So a few weeks later, started guitar lessons at school. A year later, I picked up cello. And then a year after that, I uh, started playing bass. Mm. And played bass in the orchestra for, and actually until I graduated high school. So I, I, I'm classically trained on the double bass. Solid. 
But for me, I was playing with a band uh, called Page Two, and they were a pop punk oh, yeah. band. I remember. Um, yeah. Yeah, that and, was the uh, band when you were when we met. Yeah, and I remember playing a festival, um, Life Fest in Oshkosh. Yeah. And we had gone around all weekend with these big neon signs just promoting our show and, you know, talking to every single person we encountered. And our slot at the festival was at the end of the weekend, so we had built up a rapport with all these different people all weekend. Yeah. And when our time came, we were playing on one of the side stages. It's called the garage stage. And it was exactly that. It was a garage. Nice. And we completely packed it out. There was, you know, there was hardly any room to stand inside the inside the building. There were people outside looking in, and we played probably the best show we've ever we had ever played as a band. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of clicked for me like this is really cool. Like yeah. this is, we're we're doing something that's like impacting this many people at once. Yeah. And it was just a really cool feeling. And, you know, a couple shows with that band, you know, you go in and you play a show and you get a nice paycheck at the end of the night and you realize, hey, this is actually pretty lucrative if you put some, put some work behind it. Yeah. Um, so that's really what's been motivating me uh, for a long time. Um, now it's, it's a lot of just seeing... You know, I work with some very talented guys in my band. I mean, you know, Garrett, our drummer. Shout out Garrett. Shout out Frank. Yep. Uh, both very, very incredibly talented dudes. Awesome. Been playing driven. music for a very long time. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and they really motivate me now, you know, just to be the very best I can be. But it's also going out to shows and seeing all my friends out there, seeing people singing along to our lyrics. You know, yeah. just seeing the impact that this album has had just in the nine months. I think it's only been out nine months, yeah. but in the nine months it's been out, it's yeah. had much more impact than I ever thought it would. Yeah. Shout out to Goodland Part 1, streaming everywhere. Um, yeah, man, uh, it's it's crazy. Like, it still feels like every time I listen to your EP, it's like, you know, I'm still like, it feels so fresh. Like, I still feel like it just came out and I'm just listening to it, like, you know, for the first couple times, but I've been listening to it for yeah. a long time. Well, and that was our goal when we made it, you know, like we, we consider ourselves like kind of indie pop rock, but you know, at the end of the day, we kind of put our heads together and we said, how can we make these songs as accessible to as wide of a demographic of people as possible? Mm -hmm. um, so while it is, you know, some I, I feel like each song on the on the EP has a different vibe. You yeah. know, there's a bluesy vibe, there's a straight pop vibe, there's indie. Yeah. You know, it's it's a good mix of everything, and it's it's really interesting because you have people. I have people who are diehard, straight up hip hop fans mm -hmm. who will listen to the record. And be like, yeah, I like this record a lot. Yeah. You know, people who only listen to top forty pop really dig it. Yeah. You know, it's it's. It's really crazy how wide of a demographic of people really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that like definitely speaks to how music becomes far more than just you know an an auditory experience. It becomes a uh, it's it becomes a culture, an environment. A it becomes about 
just like the you know various like environmental stimulations that make the experience like what it is exactly. and it's like when you're playing at bars you know you've got you know everyone is out with their friends mm -hmm. they're laughing they're talking they're just enjoying them they're dancing yeah people are drinking beer or vodka cranberry um you drink of choice whatever, yeah whatever you do and um it's like everyone has their just it, it just brings people together and everyone has their own way to enjoy the show yeah and that's really at the end of the day that's our that's our main goal as a band is when we're putting on shows you know whether it's you know like we were at Bremen Cafe recently and we played like an hour set yeah and that was an opportunity for us to just crank out an hour of our best music all originals and just just give it did, speaking of which did uh did you guys have to stand on the floor there we were up on the stage. Oh, wow, yeah. They that, were, they it's were, a really small stage. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> tiny. Um, there were three bands that night, and thankfully everybody was super efficient with getting up and down, um, so there really wasn't much time between sets. Yeah. Um, but we managed to fit three different bands on that stage somehow. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was tiny. But uh, but yeah, when, when people come out to, to our bar shows, you know, it's... And, and you've, you've definitely seen a few, you know, it's... Probably sixty percent cover songs and then forty percent originals, mm -hmm. and you know it's it's really interesting that you know for the amount of cover songs that we play, there's more people who actually know our stuff. That is really fascinating, isn't yeah, it? It is. <laughs> yeah, because like, and you guys cover a very vast array of, of songs too. You know, you cover. Calvin Harris. You yep. count. You cover Looking Glass. You've done Alicia Keys. Yep. You guys have done so many different like flavors of yeah. pop music but yeah at the end of the day there's still the good land part one and yeah. the music you haven't come out with yeah. yet yeah, yeah i think it's because you guys have a very like um devoted fan club i think so yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. we've got a very very tight fan base here in milwaukee yeah. um right. shout out shout out margin crew <laughs> shout out margin crew yeah yeah um yeah we've got a we've got a very solid group of, of fans and friends and they bring out more and more people every time um, you know so it's, it's cool to watch it grow every time yeah. you know when we were we played at fire on water twice over the last six months mm -hmm. and back in November we played and you know it was it was pretty full you know it was it was a good turnout yeah but we played there in February we did our Valentine's show there yeah and there was a line out the door yeah People, people were waiting to get in. Yeah. And I was looking over during the set, like, is this, is this real? I looked over at Garrett, <laughs> and we're both like, there's no way this is happening. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, it, was it was really cool. That's a very slender, uh, like, the bar is very slender, yeah. too, so there's not a whole lot of wiggle room. Yeah, it's very so narrow. It so it was packed tight. Somehow I was making it all around that crowd. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. But, but, yeah, no, that's... How does that affect you when you're like when you're on stage playing and like how does like the presence of the crowd affect how you play? Um, I generally just for as long as I've played music, I understand that there's going to be off nights. There's going to be some shows that are better than others. Um, so for me, I try my best not to let the crowd dictate the performance I give. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a philosophy we stick with as a band. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, we each kind of remind each other it's it's about the music at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but when you have a crowd who's genuinely into it and mm-hmm. genuinely like really enjoying what you're doing, you feed into that. You really feel that coming off of the crowd and it only fuels you to play even better mm-hmm. and just put on the best show you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I try not to let it dictate, but you know, when, when you get when you get something cool like that, you just you feed into it. Yeah. I mean yeah, I'm sure like, you know, when there's more people, you know, out singing along to your songs, it's like, you know, you can't help but crack a smile. Exactly. You can't help but just like, you know, start playing with more um with just more excitement, like bodily excitement and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um yeah, it's it's interesting, like, because, like, as I've been um, going out to a lot more shows lately and, like, covering bands, like, like I I try to, you know, I, like, I've mostly um, covered bands so far, mm-hmm. as opposed to solo artists. Um, sure. But, like, I'm always, like, something I've grown really fascinated by is how different bands kind of interact with the crowd and mm-hmm. how they also interact with each other on stage and it's also it's dependent on the venue mm-hmm. um every venue like will you know kind of uh facilitate a different sort of um you know kind of attitude that like both the band and the in relation to the crowd does so mm-hmm. like that's part of it too but it's always cool to see how like you know there will be like only like you know five six people in a crowd but, but like, the band is still having the time of their life. Mm-hmm. They're still having a shit ton of fun. They're jumping around. I was, I was, at, I was at Bremen on Sunday night, actually. And, um, you know, the, the crowd was kind of smaller, but it was... But it's also, like, Bremen's a really small bar. It's very small. And, uh, yeah, there's a bleacher. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's the, bleachers it, in the back. And yeah. There's room for, like... 20, 30 people right. pack them in. Yeah, at, at that, because then it's like, there's all the band equipment and the mm-hmm. tables and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, that didn't phase the bands. Like, they still played their fucking hearts out. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were still... And, like, I, I talked to some of them afterwards, and they are like, oh, yeah, I love the energy. Like, this was mm-hmm. like one of our best shows we played here in a long time. And, yeah. like... And it's like, that is a really good kind of that's a really just good attitude to have about you and like you know kind of how it's it's a really like kind of glass half full you know way to look at you know your how your shows go Mm because it's like you know like you said your your bands your shows are going to have your off nights like Mm -hmm. there's going to be nights where there's not as many people but um but you know that's some that's kind of like a risk or um or it's a, it's a risk you take as a band. You know? It is, and and having that kind of attitude is it, it tells me that you're in it for the right reasons. Like you mm-hmm. you understand, you know, if you if you play a show to like eight people and you still have the time of your life, you're you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, so so all these bands or artists who just kind of bitch and moan because you know not as many people showed up. Yeah. They're worried about the wrong things. They're focused on the wrong things. At and that point it's a validation mechanism. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you are if you're perfectly comfortable to just go up, play a killer set 
for like five people, mm -hmm. you're, you're still doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day. Right. You know? And you guys have played much smaller scale stripped down shows too, like at the Harley Museum, for yeah, example. Yeah, like we those... do uh, acoustic sets there right. probably once every month or two. Yeah. Um, Can we also talk about, like, shout out Julie Frang for always being, like, she's just such a devoted fan of you guys, like, always, like, up close and... Shout out Charlie and Julie Frang. Yeah. They've, they've helped me out personally more than I could ever thank them for. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, but they're all down. yeah they're always there like you know just supporting you guys and I remember like coming to one of your guys like really small stripped down shows like most of those that were watching you besides like Brock and I and like mm -hmm. Ryan were uh, were just like like Will's family family and, and friends yeah, yeah. Right. yeah and you know with uh, with those kind of shows it's um, you know we're we're just gonna kind of show up and play and just kind of enjoy it you yeah, know it's, it's kind of a dinner time gig so it's you know we're not the center of attention you know we're, we're kind of more so background music and those are just kind of some of the gigs that you need to take as a band sometimes yeah you know it's it's a paycheck it's it's some income but it also gives you an opportunity to really kind of strip down your sound and just kind of have this like intimate practice with your with your bandmates, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really interesting. We've played a handful of gigs like this where, um, you know, we either had to play very quietly as background music or play more acoustic. Yeah. And it just kind of gives you a chance to hear the tunes a lot more stripped down, you know, in their more yeah. essential forms. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, just really gets you to understand the uh, the intricacies of what every band member is doing. Yeah. You guys are also, this is worthy of mentioning, you guys can say you played a wedding. We did play a wedding. You played a wedding. Shout out Maggie and Ben McKay. Mm. Uh, we played their wedding this past summer, two very good friends of ours. Yes. Um, always been very supportive. Yeah. Man, Ho-Chunk Casino. Yeah, you remember <laughs> that night? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, no, I don't, but... Um, yeah, no, that, that is cool too, but, you know, that's also sort of like, you guys are a very personable sound, um, you guys play, like, and I think that kind of falls into, like, that umbrella of pop rock, mm -hmm. where you play music that can be heard in pretty much any context, but it's best in, like, a celebration, like, a party, like, Definitely. any, like, dude, like, I could totally, like, anyone could, like, party to your guys' songs, like, um, you know, like Drunken Memoir is a really catchy song. Florida song, mm -hmm. also very catchy, like in addition to like the covers you guys do. Yeah, definitely. So like it's you know, it like I don't know, it's it's cool to see um how a band can trans can like translate their music through very many different venues and like yeah. context you know? yeah and the the cool thing about playing the wedding you know and and we're definitely probably <clears throat> going to do some more in the future mm -hmm. um the cool thing about that is it gives us an opportunity you know maggie sent us over a a big playlist of songs and she just said learn whatever you guys want on here and then we want you to do originals so that was at the request of the bride and groom. So of course, of course, we're gonna play some yeah. originals. We're gonna plug our own stuff, you know. But you know, she wanted us to play "Sugar, We're Going Down" by Fall Out Boy. We learned it. <laughs> nice. She wanted "Jack and Diane" by John Mellencamp. 
we learned it, you know. Totally. We, um, and the other cool thing is, you know, some of those songs we're still covering. So we learned I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick. Yeah. And we still play that at shows. Because it's so much fun to play. Yeah. It's oh, a blast. Yeah. Totally. Um, what a, So, what about, like, Milwaukee specifically with, like, all of the city's, you know, many different venues? Um, just how vast the, the music scene is here, you know? What about being in Milwaukee made you, like, really feel like, you know, taking like music a lot more seriously and like really kind of how like how did living here make it so like this is how you decided you wanted your life to look like well so growing up in green bay and being involved in the music scene up there um it's it's a pretty limited market up there you know so there's there's a handful of venues that you can play at and that's about it unless you go out of the city yeah um so with previous bands you know i would do a lot of stuff around the state of Wisconsin, go out to Minnesota, go down to Iowa. But Milwaukee just has this overwhelming amount of talent. You know, it's like everybody you talk to who has any sort of artistic inclination is pretty damn good at what they do. Mm. You know, whether they're a, a graphic designer or they're a guitar player. Or, you know... Photographers. Photographers. Just learning how many fucking stunning photographers there are. That photographers up the ass. Yeah. We're yeah. Chock full of them. Um, but a lot of very talented photographers. Um, some good friends of mine. Shout out Steven Robinson. Oh, yeah. Um, he shot our first music video. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I guess back to the original point. Um, you know, seeing all this talent and... Um, you know, so for, for the longest time, you know, we were involved in a, a recording studio together. J3 Studios. J3 Studios. What a era. What a trip. <laughs> um, but that really just kind of opened the door for me to see the possibilities of being an artist in Milwaukee. Yeah. And the events we threw and, you know, all the different artists we met. And ton of fun. Was, you know, and shout out to Julius Dolls too. Yes, Julius Dolls, man. Shout out Julius Dolls because he really kind of gave me an opportunity. I played bass with him for a few shows, yeah. and he really kind of helped me see like the uh, the potential in myself. Just kind of working working with him and and all the guys down in Chicago really kind of really opened the door for me to really explore my potential. He's a very infectious dude. Absolutely. Great guy. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, once I met Will, you know, Garrett and I have been friends forever, and we've always talked about starting a band. Yeah. And then Will was just kind of the catalyst who came in, and, you know, we we jammed a few times, and we're like, yeah, this is it. Mm -hmm. And after we just started, you know, the, the chemistry was there right away. And I just kind of had this moment where I'm like, holy shit, this is something we can actually do. Yeah. And so we've just been riding, riding that wave from the beginning and just trying to create more waves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that um, the the J3 era, um, yeah, so for those of you that, aren't, that don't know, um, yeah, J3 Studios was a uh, recording studio. It was also our living space on the east side last year. Um, yeah, we curated a lot, various creative events. We worked with, you know, many different mediums, visual art, music, film, 
fashion, fashion, spoken word slash poetry. Mm-hmm. It it tapped into what you said, the vast creative talent that you know our city has. But mm-hmm. I think that it was a very you know, and this is a conversation that I have with. Not only people that were involved in the, the things we did, but just, you know, people that have been involved in similar situations where it's, like, it's really easy to kind of get, like, a, um, like, a, it's just easy to really get your head in the clouds when you get onto something new. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easy to, like, get carried away and, you know, jump to thinking big picture and thinking that, like, man, like, we got, like, you know, all these things, like, coming, like, we're making moves and shit mm-hmm. like that, and, you know, we, we all went through that phase where mm-hmm. it's, like, we got that, we were all under that high where it's, like, we're just yeah. so excited about this new thing that we're doing yeah. that we want to, uh, you know, we just want to promote it, you know, mm-hmm. in the back of our mind, like, with, you know, every, anything that, you know, we're, we're doing, we want to we just want this to be kind of like our, you know, priority, like our creative mm-hmm. priority. And for a while it was. Um, but it was an important era because it taught us a lot. It Absolutely. taught us about our individuality. Mm-hmm. And, like, for one, like, kind of like how you said, like, you'd always wanted to start a band, like, like up here. Like, you know, I always wanted to do this, like, do a podcast. But mm-hmm. it took being involved in a scenario where, you know, things worked for a while and then they kind of fell apart. It took that for me to like kind of, you know, transcend into where I am now where I'm like, okay, okay, well now I have the insight that I had Mm -hmm. have that I didn't have before. And, you know, I, I need some kind of new creative outlet. So let's see what, you know, what did I learn from that experience? What am I passionate about? And, you know, here we, so here we are. It's like, you know, you got what you wanted. I got Mm -hmm. what I wanted and, you know, hopefully everyone else did. So it was a, it was a good kick in the ass to get, get us out of complacency. Yes. It was very humbling. Yes. Um, you know, just, just a good, you know, I don't want to say hitting rock bottom because that's not what it was. It was just, you know, like (laughs) we know rock bottom and, and it, just understanding yeah. <laughs> how, how things can fall apart, but how you can pick yourself up and move on to bigger and better things. I think that's really the yeah. lesson I took from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm still, you know, very good friends with, with the other Jays. Shout out Jordan Kellogg. I love you, brother. Yeah. Shout out Jake Stern. Love you. You guys are my boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, like, it, it really, we didn't really leave anything with hard feelings necessarily. It just, it kind of fell apart and everybody kind of went in their own direction, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's life. Yeah. You know, that's just how life goes. Yeah. And there's, yeah, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that, uh, I think that's just, yeah, part of your, just, it's just part of your creative growth. Your, uh, you know, you see... You know, you see very successful people that are involved in collectives that are involved in projects that, or bands even, that, mm-hmm. you know, they did for a long time, but after a while, you know, it's just like, you know, you're heading in a different direction than I am, and mm-hmm. that's okay, but yep. it's just important to acknowledge that. Yep. But it's also important to, to support 
what your friends are doing too. Oh yeah. You know? Yes. You know, so I think congratulations on this by the way. I don't know Thank if I you. formally congratulated you, but this is really cool. I appreciate it. What you're doing is awesome. I think uh Thank you. I have a lot of potential with this. Thank you. Um, so and so do you with your band. That. Congratulations you. on your band. Thank you. And like, yeah, I, you know, you you know how much fun I have at your shows. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Every time. Right. Uh, it's a great time. But um, so tracing a little back into like, uh, you know, sort of um, kind of the flip side of you know what we've been talking about. Um, so in terms of fear, like. Um, so you were, so like, you know, you were in school for a while, you were doing, like, you know, music composition, like, mm-hmm. you had recently changed your major before you decided to drop out. Um, kind of, like, where was it, like, where was school just losing direction for you? Um, well, so, initially I changed my program because... You know, when you're coming out of high school, you don't, you know, when you're 18, you really don't know what you want to do. And I was kind of at the point where, you know, I was playing in bands and I had been playing in orchestra. So I was like, I was a pretty okay musician. I wasn't great. I wasn't, you know, exceptional. But I could play. Yeah. But I didn't see it necessarily as a viable path for school. So I didn't even bother applying. Um, So I looked at my other other strengths and it's pretty strong in history and uh, political science when I was in high school. So I looked into those and you know you've got basically two options you can do research or you can teach. So I kind of had a moment where I was like well fuck it guess I'm gonna teach. Yeah. You were in the education LLC. I was. (laughs) Yep. A floor below you. Yes. That was Um, a different time. That's for sure. So I did that for a couple years and I just kind of you know I saw the people around me and I realized like these people either, you know, one out of ten of these people is incredibly passionate about being a legitimate teacher and just, like, making an impact and making a difference. Yeah. The rest are just looking for the job. Yeah. And so I looked at that, and I kind of did some self-examination, and I realized, you're just doing this for the job. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not opposed to being a teacher, you know, down the road when I'm 40, you know, yeah. once I've had some life experience, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, the, the teaching system in America is a whole thing we could get into, but we don't need oh, to yeah. right now. Specifically Milwaukee's teaching. Specifically Milwaukee's teaching, but um, to just for the sake of conversation, um, so I, I changed my major um, around the time we were starting the studio, and I really, I had a moment where I really missed playing music. I had been out of my previous band for probably about six months or so. And I just missed making music and playing music and just being involved in that heavily. And so I made the decision to join the composition and technology program at UWM. And while I found it helpful um, in some aspects, you know, like the music theory portion of it was... um, was very helpful, mm-hmm. very helpful with my growth as a musician. Yeah. Um, but there are other parts of that program, and you know it works for other people. I know I know some people who are still in the program who who were in it with me who are still doing very well and you know progressing. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. For me, it wasn't stressing. 
the areas of music I really wanted to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess uh, at the end of the day, I, I kind of realized, you know, I had a conversation with one of my one of my fellow students, and you know, he's like, "Are you excited about this project?" You know, we were doing some kind of project where you had to. Um, it was basically you had to um, make an entire composition with non-instruments. So I wrote a piece for like plastic bags and bullet casings and coins and paper clips. Yeah. And you know, he's like, "Are you excited about this project?" And I'm like, "Man, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not at all. This is this is really dumb to me. You know, like I understand what what the point of this is." You know, I, I understand what they're trying to get across, but at the end of the day, I looked at it and I said, man, this isn't what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I want to make hit records. Yeah. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And after that conversation, I did a lot more inward thinking and uh, really some self-examination. And I realized that's, that's all I want to do is I want to make, I want to make good music, yeah. you know, and UWM just wasn't wasn't conducive for what I was trying to do. So yeah. I made the, made the decision to drop out and uh, focus on the studio full-time. Um, and then obviously the band started taking off and uh, here I am now. Right. You th yeah, like, and you're, you're like, you're definitely like a, you think big picture mm -hmm. and I can relate, I do in many aspects mm -hmm. as well. Um, how do you, like, what are some like uh, kind of downfalls of thinking like big picture and like having your mind kind of skipping ahead to like the end like the end product? Um, well, I've definitely I've definitely had that problem um, with various various bands and, and groups that I've worked with. Um, I tend to jump to the best possible conclusion sometimes. Yeah, I do too. And, and yeah. it's something I've really been focusing on, you know, on, on improving. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's it's really a matter of just kind of like envisioning that big picture, but then taking a step back and saying, okay, that's a great idea, it's a great final product, yeah. how do we get there? Right. And that's why I really appreciate the guys in the band too, is because we all have slightly different mindsets, you know. Um, Will and I tend to think very big picture, very grandiose sometimes. Yeah. And Garrett really keeps us grounded and he's like, okay, how are we gonna be practical about this? Yeah. And that's something I really appreciate about about the dynamic we have. Yeah. Uh, we just kind of it's a checks and balances kind of thing. Totally. It's um, very conducive for what we're doing, you know. So yeah. so when we book a big festival, you know, out in Colorado or something. Um, you know, it's immediately like your your thoughts are jumping to okay, we're gonna play this killer set, we're gonna have all these people out there, blah blah blah, you know, like it's gonna be the biggest thing, you know? Yeah. But then you gotta think about how you're gonna get out there. The you logistics. About, yeah. yeah, you gotta think about the logistics, you gotta think about how you're gonna advertise that show. Who are you gonna contact to, you know, be your ground team out there, yeah. you know? So <clears throat> so it's something I've really been working on lately. Um is really just kind of taking a step back and just breaking things down step by step. Yeah, I can relate 100%. Um, I, similar to you, like, suffer from similar mentalities where, like, you know, when I 
I get I just get really excited when like I like the sound of something mm -hmm. or like when I like an idea or have an idea my initial my instinct is to be like oh my god like what is this gonna mean for us we're gonna like this means like things are gonna take off and the like the game is changing right, the game we're changing yeah. the game I for one I'm so fucking desensitized yeah. to that yeah, yeah I can't yeah I can't handle that anymore no but but so like it's gotten a lot better now, but like, you know, for a long time, like I, my mind would just jump to that where I would mm -hmm. just get so like, you know, kind of like that high we were talking about earlier, where it's like, you just get so like amped up on, you know, just from how something sounds to like what it could mean. And then you just get kind of carried away within mm -hmm. the moment. But yeah, I, I think that a lot of it comes with like, practice of like just kind of being in the moment and just being present mm -hmm. with your surroundings and like yeah focusing on things one day at a time it's it's really tough in in the kind of work that we're trying to be in to take things one day at a time and just take it step by step because you just want the end result right away yeah and you feel like um at least me personally i feel like if i don't get X accomplished in a day, then I've somehow failed. Yeah, and that's that's a mentality I really have been focusing on overcoming. Is you know, take it day by day, take it step by step. Yeah. You know, if you don't hear back from that venue, reach out again, find another venue. Yeah, know, or you know, and that's just a very specific example, but it's you know, taking it day by day because you've got you got 24 hours to do something that day. If you're taking a step in the right direction, that's going to add up over the week. That's going to add up over the month. Yeah. It's going to add up over the year. And it's okay to take a step back from things, too, if, like, you just don't feel like... It's better to, you know, kind of like what you said, take a step back and evaluate and do that, like, kind of that examination. Mm -hmm. And think about what you're trying to accomplish rather than doing something just for the sake of, you know, having something out in that moment or mm -hmm. some kind of, like, half-assed idea that really, like, has no end goal. Yeah. Um, and especially, like, you know, after after day three, like, I was really lost personal, personally. I was thinking, like, well, what, like, what the hell do I do now? Like, I was... And, you know, it's like I was relying on that for so long mm -hmm. to give me sort of my grounding but then you know after some time of taking a step back it's like you learn to sort of just kind of create your own yeah well like i said earlier it's, it was really just a kick at kicking the ass out of yeah. complacency right you know, yeah. where you're relying on this this group of people for your future and and letting people live on your couches <laughs> We don't have to get into that, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's just a matter of, you know, understanding that, yes, you can contribute as much as you can to this team, but at the end of the day, you need to be as self-sufficient as you possibly can be. And so that's why, as a member of this band, I take on as many responsibilities as I can. Yeah. So I'm our social media guy. I am our booking, our main booking guy. Yeah. Um, I'm our engineer, so I record our demos. You know, mm -hmm. when we're recording here at High Five, I sit with Ryan and I, you know, yeah. really, 
really get into what's going on. Um, you know, uh, I just I take on as many roles as mm -hmm. I can because that's that's the most important thing. You know, especially with a three-piece band. Yeah. Everybody's got to take on a lot of responsibility. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a lot of responsibility per member, but um, you know, if you are truly invested in it, like we are, the, it really doesn't feel like work at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just... That's a, so true. Yeah. Yeah. You, like... Yeah. Like... When you, like, devote so much time and energy and effort into something that you just genuinely love doing, and yeah, it, it doesn't feel like work at all. Like... Like, going to shows and just writing about them and meeting people is therapeutic for me. It's fun. so much fucking yeah, fun. And I believe it. Yeah, you just... You discover so much, like, mm -hmm. uh, and about what's been around you the entire time. It, like, it's like when something just makes sense to you, and it's like, oh, well, shit, like, I'm just so happy that I figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, no, like, um, so, with the, with the dynamic that, like, you guys have um, in the Good Lang Gang, um, you know, you, you guys have the uh, the High Five Turner Hall show coming up. Yeah, can we next, talk about that for yes, a second? Yes, we can talk about that. March uh, 29th, yes, Turner Hall. Next Friday. Next um, Friday, High Five's top five. Yeah, that's... I'm excited. I'm I'm stoked for, for that show. So, that is going to be a big stepping stone for you guys. It's like playing such a major league, like a, a major league venue. Yeah. Um... So like, what do you think is, um, you know, with with this with the the uh, with the momentum that you guys have as a band, you know, like where like, you know, what what do you think like you know the rest of this the year like twenty nineteen like, what do you think this year is gonna mean for you in the long run? Um, I think it's going to be. Um, a big year of growth for us because the first year was really just kind of laying the base for what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So this coming summer and fall are going to be very big. So we just, I don't know if you saw, but we just bought a van. I did not see that. Congratulations. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So what we kind of van, van is it? It's a Ford uh, 350. So it's like oh, one of those sure. big 15 passengers. Oh, nice. So it's going to take the seats out the is back. It light? And, uh, it's tan. Tan. Mm -hmm. Man, what a color. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah. So we're excited about that. But uh, we've got we've got a bunch of shows lined up. We're playing at least two to three a month um, through the fall, um, and then I'm actively working on booking um, some additional additional dates. Um, we're gonna be traveling quite a bit, I think. Um, you know, within the state of Wisconsin, but then outside, you know, I know we're going to go back to Colorado. We're, we've got a show out in Bozeman, Montana. Wow. So that would be interesting. That's a little loud in left field. Yeah, so we're trying to get a little run of shows going around there. Yeah. Um, we've got a pretty decent following down in Florida, too. Oh, yeah. Um, which Fort is, Myers. Yep, Fort Myers area. Um, so we're going to go back down there. Um, tour around the Florida area a little bit mm -hmm. and then um, yeah just kind of we're gonna hit the Midwest and the western states pretty hard and um, hopefully by the fall we'll head out east uh, you know head that way so 
this is all stuff I'm actively booking, but um, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, we we really want to break into um, some of the bigger festivals in Milwaukee too. Oh yeah, you know, so we're gonna be actively pursuing that. You know, whether it's we we um, I don't know how much I can talk about it, but we've been in contact with a handful of festivals sure. around around Milwaukee for the summer. So hopefully we'll be uh, getting on some of those bigger stages. But I think. Um, this show at Turner Hall is going to be a great, great launching point for sure. You know, yeah. because we we feel absolutely confident. You know, no matter what the the turnout is, we're just going to go out there and we're going to play our best show. Yeah, I I know you will. It's going to be a fucking blast. Okay. All right, Jackson. Man, I know that light is bright. Um, what keeps you up at night? Um, I don't know, coffee. Yeah, coffee will, uh, it will, uh, you'll stay up, that's for sure. Yeah, that's pretty much it. What puts you to sleep? Beer. <laughs> Two best answers I've gotten to that question uh, in the 11 episodes now that I've been doing this. Um, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The Good Land Part 1, streaming everywhere. Yeah. Also March 29th, Turner Hall, High yeah. Five Stop 5, be there. What happens the next day? Uh, Murray Attic. March March thirtieth, yeah, sure. yeah, uh, yeah. Keep uh, keep posted on Will Frank and the Goodland Gang, and um, I hope you enjoyed this this uh, exchange. We'll see you next time at Mister Nice Guy.